Well, welcome to Rekindle XM, David. We are so excited to have you here with us today. And we are so excited for you um, and your journey as a brand new author. So you have written a book, there's Masha holding it up, called Almost Home, Setting Our Sights Towards Heaven. And we're so excited to have a conversation today about um, your book and your life, which is sort of the, the story behind the book. Um, so David, you and I met in a podcast class, and your story struck me because of the way you framed your life, your faith, your family, and your career journey. In many ways, you followed a career track like most of us in the professional world, but you made some decisions to choose your own dream and the life that you felt God led you toward. As fellow Christians, we at Rekindle share that idea of having a life of purpose and following that path that God leads us to. Our listeners are primarily those who have gone through professional and personal burnout. However, it's really hard to go against those cultural norms which are often contributing to our burnout. For those who have faith in God, I, I just think we can learn a lot from your story. And even for those who perhaps don't have a particular religious belief, we hope your story is going to inspire them to think differently about their lives and how they define their own American dream. So you've written this book um, called Almost Home, and it's as we're recording this, it's actually coming out in literally days. By the time we post this, I'm sure it will have been out. But first of all, congratulations. That is a huge milestone. So we want to yeah, celebrate with you um, yeah, getting that first book out. And uh, I, I've read the author's copy of that book. I loved it. It made me think and laugh. And uh, a couple times, you know, kind of kind of cry a little, but I definitely had a lot to relate to. So first of all, congratulations. And how are you doing with all the excitement of this first book, hopefully first of many coming out? Yeah, it's been quite a journey. I tell you, we've we uh, we are getting right up close to the launch and it's been uh, pretty exciting the last few weeks just trying to put all the parts and pieces together for a big launch party and for the uh, the actual uh, public launch of the book, which essentially means it's available for purchase to the public. You know, I've had author copies like the one you spoke of that that I've had for months now, and so I'm excited to get it out to a lot more folks in a lot more venues. So, so that's really uh, good, and and uh, we're happy to get to this point. So, so David, this book was really the story of your life up to. About this point, um, obviously, you know, it stops right about the point you're starting to write. And I think, you know, one of the one of the interesting concepts is that you start the book with this concept of home. And of course, that's the title of your your book is Almost Home. Um, you talk about how as children, we have this ideas of what our home is going to be like. What So what was that dream for you, even starting as a young kid? What did you think of when you thought of your future life as an adult and the home and the life and the career? What did that look like for you? You know, it was really just painted for me, like probably most folks in the Western world, especially in the United States, where you, you, uh, you want to grow up, have a responsible life, get a job, have a family and, and live in a home and be safe and happy and secure and you know have all the things that that we envision you know growing up and but you know there was just something innately inside me 
that, you know, even as a kid, and I talk about it in the book, you know, I'd go off places and, you know, kids go off and have a, a fort and a playhouse and this place they call their own, you know, and it's really not much different than what we do when we're grown. We want to create a place that's safe where we can, you know, lay our head down at night and, and have a warm bed and, and food to eat and, and all the things that, that we anticipate makes us secure. And I think that's uh, really a good portion of what the book is about is just that that idea of home. And so we get that picture of, you know, the the perfect family, the perfect home. And and then, you know, as we as we strive toward that and work toward what we envision with that picture in our mind from, you know, the culture around us, the media around us, everything that we take in you know, our whole lives, we try to, you know, build up to that expectation, you know, with our life as we put all the parts and pieces together. And then when all that doesn't work out perfectly, then we get stressed out and, and challenges come and, and, uh, you know, and then, you know, work comes into that. And uh, I think that's where, uh, you know, we really just get uh, stressed and introduced to our life and our family and, you know, just, just trying to figure it all out and it's not working quite right. <laughs> it's true. We have this we have this concept of the American dream, but you're right. It usually doesn't work out exactly as we plan. Um, what when you was, were starting out with um, you know having kids and you know the job and, and all of this, how did your career play into your your dreams for the home that you hope to create? I would really say that was front and center for me. You know, my, my mom and dad were both successful. Dad uh, was a retired Navy guy and, and, you know, everything about what they were doing, you know, taught us to get an education and uh, and get a good job and then follow up. And, and, and if you did all those things, the parts and pieces would all fall together. So that was kind of like the foundational piece was to, you know, create your job and it really, you know, ideally, as I look back, I think it wasn't necessarily a pursuit of your passion and the things that you were necessarily created to be, you know, but I think it really, uh, as I look back, I think, oh, wow, there's all these different career paths that I can go down that are going to be, you know, satisfying or very satisfying but at the end of the day, you also looked at, is this going to pay the bills? You know, because, you know, that's also a, a huge aspect of of being able to provide for yourself. And so, you know, that's, that also can lend itself to uh, either good or bad consequences uh, when you choose a career path. So, so, yeah, I would say the foundational piece, you know, is just making sure that I got a good career going and a good job going and then, uh, started putting all the other parts and pieces in to go with that. And David, it seems like you you had a you know pretty secure career for for most of that. Um, what what was it that kind of led you in the direction? Because you you kind of went into manufacturing engineering, um, you know, more of a, a little bit technical of a side, and then you switched over. So tell us a little bit about where you started, and then that switch sort of um, partway through your 
career where you jumped, like a lot of people will, will do during their career? Yeah, which, you know, I wouldn't say that's terribly abnormal, but uh, it was it was for me. You know, I started out my career as a computer-aided drafter, as a designer, and, you know, actually finished up my college work uh, as a electronics technician. And while I was doing that, learned some computer-aided drafting along the way, and, and that was about the time that, that CAD really took off and was uh, – you know, really growing a lot. And I, I enjoyed doing that. Just the idea of being able to get on a computer and draw pictures all day and get paid for it was exciting to me. So that's where I took down that or went down that path with my career as a designer. And then, you know, over the course of a dozen or so years, you know, as as you get uh, in, you know, entrenched in a job and doing the same thing a lot, you know, boredom sets in a little bit and and certainly you get uh, to a place where you might not actually be doing the the same things you were doing when it all started and uh, so you know it was kind of like a a place where i was just asking myself is this really what i want to do anymore and at the same time as our family in, environment was growing and and we were uh growing exponentially in the size of our family and a lot of adventures were were taking place. I started I started using writing as an opportunity to uh, to kind of you know vent and and exercise my creative abilities. You know, in that area that I really didn't know that I thought you know I could do well. And so while I was doing that, and as our family was growing, I started looking over the fence. You know for another opportunity outside of the engineering world I was in. And and that really opened up for me. It really, it was strange. It was putting me outside of my comfort zone for sure as a person that was just used to, you know, living in that engineering environment, going to work and sitting in my cubicle every day and, and pretty much doing the same thing a lot. And then I I went out and got a job in marketing in the same company, but that was a that was a huge stretch for me, knowing that my world was opening up as as big as can be, versus what it what I was used to, and so uh, so that was tough and and uh, challenging all at the same time, but it but it really opened up new opportunities for me to pursue my writing and pursue a career in public speaking where I got up and stood in front of people and talked and and shared you know products so it really uh after spending 16 years in design engineering and then jumping off into a marketing career it really just took me down a new path which was really positive for me for a good long time and you mentioned your family and i think masha has a question as well um but we want to come back to that so masha did you have a question I did. One thing that uh, I really appreciated reading uh, your book, David, was how you entrusted the journey to God. And I see your dependence on his guidance and trust in his plan. And I think as a society, as a culture, we've more gotten away from having faith in, in the plan that God has for us. And we try to take that control and planning and have the desired outcomes. Like we take God usually out of those equations versus putting them in. And reading your book was a really great reminder of that, that no, I got to walk according to the greater plan. 
Tell me a little bit about that walk of faith and how you've entrusted God with your family numbers, which was really inspiring. You don't see that very much anymore, but I praise you for that. That is something beautiful that we should all cherish. It is a promise to us. And also in the career, when you face those really challenging situations, when you knew you had to move, but you weren't quite sure the path wasn't revealed to you yet. Like what, what is the, the main driver for you to walk in your faith and inspire the hearts that are listening to you right now? So there were, there were different challenges along the journey and we're, we're even in the middle of one right now with my writing career. But, uh, in those early years, we, you know, we knew that we had to be in the word. We had to be close to God and have a, you know, consistent quiet time and, and be speaking to the Lord in prayer on a daily basis. And my wife and I commune like that regularly. We pray together daily. And, and, you know, even outside of that, you, you have to build a community of believers around you of like-minded family and friends that are for you and for what the Lord wants, you know, because sometimes, uh, we get chasing down a path where we have these desires, you know, in our hearts. And sometimes it takes, your spouse or a coworker or a, you know, somebody you go to church with or the Holy Spirit, you know, to just get you on a corrected course. But on the flip side of that, you really want all of those folks and, and circumstances and different things in your life to really align well so that you can have that peace as you move forward. And that's, that's really the way we work and, and move to make decisions. And sometimes that's not easy. Sometimes you don't get what you want. And uh, that's that's the challenging part of uh, trusting in the Lord is, is uh, Lord, please take me down this path. And then he says, nope, I got a different one for you or a better one. Or, or sometimes uh, even even right now as we, as we look to our future and work to develop this writing career for me, uh, I don't have it all figured out yet, and it's really a challenge to to be walking in those steps. But I can look back and I can see, you know, even even now that I've written a book, it's like sometimes I have to go back and re reread my own words to uh, you know confirm for myself. You know, I talk about waiting, you know, in the book, and I talk about leaning on others and i talk about all these different things you know that you're supposed to do and so it's like sometimes you got to go back and and eat your own words to uh to get uh, some clear direction but i think i think the one of the interesting things is uh you know my wife and i were both reading in uh hebrews 11 the other day and god brought us both to that place uh separately but it's really a place where I love to hang out for a while and meditate on it because that's typically what everybody refers to as the faith chapter. And, and in that faith chapter, uh, the writer uh, tells us over and over and over, by faith, Abraham, by faith, Moses, and by faith, all these different you know heroes of the Old Testament, by faith, all these people trusted God and believed that there was something better on the other side, even if they couldn't see it. And so that's where, that's where we're walking right now, even is just trusting in the Lord and, and leaning on him 
and taking the steps he wants us to take today and trusting him for the next steps tomorrow. Wow. Powerful. Yeah. And, you know, David, I love the part of the book, and I, I don't want to give it all away, but I actually love the part of the book when you and your wife, Katrina, got married. You you each had two. So you were already, you know, had had four kids when, when you came together and, and got married. Um, and then you talk about praying and asking for God's guidance as to whether or not you should start um you know, having more children and adding to your family. And you talk about that, how, you know, you you took the time to think about that, pray about that and wait for God's answer. Um, when I read that in the book, you know, it was interesting because that was that was sort of a point at which you were choosing to go against the culture, if you will, um, because our, our culture seems to have these very defined ideas of what a family should be. Would would you have said that at the time as you guys were praying about this, thinking about it, and then decided, yep, we're, we're going to go ahead and we're going to just let God bless us how he chooses. Did you ever have a thought about, oh, we're, we're going to go against sort of the the American cultural ideal here. Um, and you talk about the fact that this wasn't always easy for you and your wife and your, and your kids. You know, I, th I think about that from the perspective, you know, at first, you know, we were just praying, you know, Lord, do you want us to have more children at all? And, uh, you know, because like you said, we had two apiece from a previous marriage and so we went into this right after our honeymoon, coming back home to our four kids. And so, you know, even even at that point, we're way beyond the cultural norm of a typical family size. And so, uh, but we really felt like in the early part of that, we were just, uh, you know, seeking the Lord to to know whether or not we should bring more lives into our family, you know, kind of in a maybe a selfish way you know just wanting to to bring that unity you know of my wife and I to be able to have our own children but then after after time progressed you know and we had our son our first son together and then we had a daughter together and you know it was kind of over a course of several years that we really leaned into the Lord and just totally gave all that to him and so, yeah, it was really, you know, in the midst of all that and going through that for the, over the course of several years, uh, we were really just challenged, you know, from a lot of different directions of, of going against the cultural norm. We even had doctors, you know, that was during the process. We had, we had essentially not really much trouble with our first and second that we had together. Uh, but when our third child together arrived, we had uh, some trouble in the hospital and and uh, we literally had the, the doctor, the pediatrician that came in and that was treating our daughter that was that had to have an extended hospital stay. And she literally told us, if I were you, I would never have any more children because of this challenge and this this thing in front of us. Well, we had already committed you know, to the Lord that we were going to trust him. And so that was a huge, you know, challenge. I don't even write about this in the book, but I may in another one later. But, uh, you know, just to have people just put it right in your face or, you know, one of the big challenges was uh, just going to the store or going anywhere 
and everybody would just look at you and say, are all those yours? And, or just, you know, having, feeling like they have the permission to ask you, well, don't you know what causes that? And, you know, those sort of questions. So it's really, it's really tough, you know, when you're just uh, dealing with all this and you feel like you're definitely moving in a direction the Lord told you to go, but then all you get is resistance from most directions. And, you know, I think that's so true when we go against what most people consider the norm in our culture. And, um, you know, it's something here at Rekindle that we want people to really think about, whether it's with their family, their lifestyle, the way they live out their faith, their careers. You will definitely encounter resistance anytime you choose to do something different. But looking back, now that you look back, you know, just at your family, and you're going to you're gonna make some other choices here that as we go along in the book that are also against sort of the, the norm, if you will. But now that you look back, um, it's a silly question to ask you if it was worth it, because I, I already know what the answer is going to be. But just tell us a little bit about that, um, like how you've seen God bless you as you made that decision and, and kind of just, you know, walked the, the life of faith and with the family that he gave you. So it's been it's been tough and it's not been easy and it's not been the a place where we can just have it all figured out. But but I look back and I am so blessed. I'm so blessed to have our nine children that God has given us. They are gifts. Just like the word says, they are gifts from him and they bless us and we are going to see fruit from that that we have yet to see and we're already seeing a lot of it but you know, someday there's going to be so much fruit from all of this uh, faith walk that, that we can't even contain it all. But then when you take that to the next level uh, with with my corporate life, and like you said, Michelle, making decisions that go against the grain. You know, everybody really wants you to comply, you know, for the most part. They want you to be in that 95th percentile of people that just line up and do what you're told and when you're not in that group they don't like it so that's a that's a real challenge and so you're not going to get tons of support <laughs> in every direction so oh it's it's fixed to me on a level you can't imagine <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah masha masha definitely has a, a story about that as do brian and i um it's interesting because when we read your stories, the timelines of your story go along with ours and they're drastically different. Um, but yet, you know, it was just interesting because Brian and I have also chosen to go against the norm and Masha is working towards that right now. Um, but, you know, like you said, it's rewarding. And, and, you know, you've mentioned that there's eternal rewards that you're going to reap literally forever. Um, but it doesn't negate the, the struggle at the time. Um, so let's actually, let's go ahead and move on in your story. So, you know, you've got the, what most people would kind of consider the American dream. You've got a, a good corporate job. You've got, you know, a, a wonderful family. Um, you built this amazing house, which that's a whole story by itself. Um, but, I, you know, and I loved it because my parents have built two houses. And so I know the struggles that come along with that. So you've got this big corporate job, this big family, you're building a house. Um, you get into the house of your dreams. Like a lot of people would have looked at you and said, wow, this is all, this all looks like what most people would want. Um, 
But then after building the house of your dreams, you decided that wasn't it. And I love what your daughter said. So do you want to tell us what your daughter said, that conversation about, you know, the, the dream home? Um, at, yeah. So the, where you know, you there's guys so are, many different, yeah. there's so many different parts and pieces about the dream home. You know, it, it was part of, you know, everything we alluded to earlier about, you know, what do you envision? And I talk about some of that in the book about, you know, the type of home we wanted and all the things that we thought would be great. And, uh, and we, we really had a physical need, uh, which I think is also part of the, uh, challenge of the cultural norm. You know, everybody thinks that for every child, you must have a bedroom or, or, you know, you got to have, you know, certain levels of space just to house so many people when in, you know, other countries or even in our country, you know, 60 or 70 years ago, I can, I can remember the conversation I just had with my dad the other day when they were talking about hard times and, you know, when they grew up and, and, you know, my dad was one of nine and he talked about how they would, they would have a bedroom with a full size bed in it and they would put five kids on the bed laying crossways, you know, and it never occurred to them that there was anything better or different. That's just what they did and had to deal with. So, you know, the cultural norm of, of space is, is a challenge, but we had a unique uh, point in our life, especially with the challenges of a step family and, and kids coming in and out of our home and trying to create spaces. And we were moving into the teenage years with our four older children, while at the same time bringing kids in that were nursing and in diapers and toddlers. And, you know, there wasn't always so much great love from the teenagers of appreciating all the crying and and everything that came with all that so but we we really did need some space and so god uh led us to build this house this uh it's so funny i had a co-worker that was walking this journey with us and he he uh, really encouraged me to write down a lot of the stories and stuff but he gave me the hardest time one day when we were in the middle of building the house i think we just got it built and he and uh, it was back in the day, in the early years of my corporate life, when I could have my wife and the kids come walk in there at work and visit us and, and talk. And one of my coworkers asked uh, one of our sons, uh, well, what do you think about your new house? And to hear my son say this, I mean, just didn't even miss a beat. He's like, well, I think we have the biggest house in the neighborhood now. <laughs> And so that was just a, a little bit of a humbling experience, you know, but we did, uh, we did build quite a large house that we felt like we needed. And it was something that God really helped us walk through and build and take us through that in a miraculous way. But at the end of all that, uh, we, uh, got to that point, lived in the house. It was the house we loved. It was our dream house. And we uh you know we were at a point where we were trying to think about downsizing think about wow how much stuff as we have we heaped up here and we uh we literally started praying lord is this where you want us to be which sounded completely crazy and so uh as we as we moved forward and prayed through that, uh, we were just seeking the Lord. 
And I really felt like God had uh, given me an answer about that. And I actually said, spoke those words to my wife, you know, as we prayed about it and as we uh, thought through it. And, uh, um, so, David, when you uh, when you were building that house, and there's other parts in this story that you, you seem to voluntarily walk into the most stressful situations you could ever <laughs> build for yourself or set up for yourself. How how did you deal with that stress? Because those were definitely situations where you could have easily walked into burnout. Yeah, and and just you mentioned you were the general contractor, and that by itself yeah. is yeah. so stressful. Yeah. So so when we went into that house project, we really went into it with uh, the idea that we needed more space, a bigger house, right? And we we looked for houses, and nothing nothing really fit our criteria that would actually do for us. So we went into that thinking, okay, I'm going to, you know, I'm a drafter, right? I can draw house plans, although I'm a mechanical drafter, which is a totally different bird. But as we uh, went into that, we had some ideas on what we wanted and went to some contractors and found out really fast that we couldn't afford to pay somebody to build us this house. And so, so backing into that, uh, yeah, I became the general contractor and my dad had done it. My wife's dad did it. So why couldn't we, you know, and here I was working a full-time job and we had, let's see, we had seven children at that time. One, you know, one, my wife was nursing another one in diapers and the other one, another one, a toddler. So, and you know, working full-time. So yeah, Brian, to answer your question, uh, it was just getting on my face before the Lord and trying to continue with unity in our family while I'm working a full-time job and building a house every day. So that was that was tough, but I can't say it was uh, stress-free at all. There was a time when uh, <laughs> when we started that building process that I really uh put together a lot of pictures you know it's like okay and we we hired a lot of the you know main things to be done for us like the foundation and the framing and you know those sort of things but there was a time when i'd go out and take pictures and this was before everybody had digital cameras so it was a it was a you know commodity to have a, a camera with film in it and go out there and take pictures all the time so i did that daily you know, as the process is moving along, I want to schedule this and I want to see it happening. And and I took it at certain views, you know, thinking, oh, this is going to be cool. I can document this really well later. Well, about a month into that process of me being the photographer, the pictures ceased because that's when the work kicked in and and me and my dad and my my father-in-law and everybody else imaginable that we could get to show up was out there working. And so, yeah, it was stressful. And in the, and also in the midst of all that, you know, while, while we've got everybody asking us all these questions, like, why are you growing this family size? What in the world's wrong with you people? You know, I have to walk out there one day on the job site and break the news to my dad that we're expecting our eighth child in the middle of that building process. So, uh, <laughs> it kind of, Kind of seemed to expedite the uh, process and think, man, we got to get this place done. So, yeah, it was hard. It was stressful. But we really knew that 
that God was walking us through the middle of that process, even though it was a hard time. But I, I think that that lends itself to the idea of something that uh, we really try to live in, in knowing that it was a season. You know, this is not something I'm going to live with continually and endlessly. This is just a season we're going through and there's going to be a light at the end of the tunnel. But I think to answer your question, Brian, with, with the burnout part of it, uh, I didn't even think about burnout at that point. I was just like, okay, I've got to work because we got to eat. We got to pay. We got, we're building a house that I got to make the payment on. So, uh, so burnout just really hadn't even set in, I think at that point in my life with uh, everything that was going on with us, it was just like, this is what we got to roll up our sleeves and do. The Lord's going to help us with it. The Lord has told us to do it. And so we're going to do it and uh, stick with it. Wow. So David, you, you built this house, you put all of this time, energy, money, sweat into it. And then there comes a point at which you feel like God is leading you to sell it and to move to something else. So I'm curious about, did you feel like you were moving closer to a dream that you and Katrina had and that God was, was leading you for specific purposes? Or what was it that started that thought of, oh, we think it's time to sell what, what many would consider your dream home? Yeah, so that, I think it was multifaceted. It was like, okay, Lord, we built this dream house. It's where you told us to build the dream house. We have it, and we have our large family, and we live, you know, in an ideal location. And and then the Lord starts working on me in the midst of all that. And But the Lord wasn't working in my wife Katrina yet. She was still kind of resistant, and we hadn't arrived at that unity point yet. And so it was kind of like, you know, her saying, well, you better go back and ask God again, because I don't think you got the right answer <laughs> sort of thing. And, uh, that, was, that was kind of the resistance we felt all along the way, even after we told our parents, well, God told us to sell this place and, and move on. And they were like, what? That's the stupidest thing you could have ever said. But to answer your question, Michelle, about uh, where was God taking us at this point, I think one of the biggest things that was that had been front and center for us for a while was to get debt free, to get out of debt. And this home was seemed to be a big obstacle to that. You know, I had, you know, me and my engineering mind, I'd created a plan and if we could work this much extra or get you know, extra jobs or what have you, we could, we could pay off this place and stay here. And so, you know, just that's kind of the exercise I went through often of, okay, here's my plan. I'll put it in a spreadsheet and we'll have this place paid off in so many years. But we wanted, we just felt an urgency to number one, expedite that process of getting out of debt faster. And number two, lean in to the Lord and what he had next for us. And I think it was that second thing that was really, you know, front and center for us was really just seeking out, Lord, where where do you want us to be? If this is not it, where do we need to go? And were there thoughts at, at this point that 
your corporate career wasn't what you ultimately wanted because you know, I don't know if that was happening at this point, but it definitely prepared you because you were getting out of debt, you were finding this different lifestyle, and were you thinking, eventually I want to do something other than what I've been doing, which is, you know, working at a desk for the last, you know, however many, 20, 25 years, was that part of the thought that you could see that particular part of your work life coming to an end, or was that still completely unknown when you guys started thinking about moving? I think it was kind of a mix. You know, we were just like, okay, I mean, everything in our culture says, wow, you've got a job at this corporate place. It's going to be where you're going to be at for the rest of your life. And to go in another direction is ludicrous, crazy. You've got a 401k and you just got to keep working on that, you know, all those things. But so, yeah, it was just over a course of time and, and then God putting the desires in us for this farm that we now live on, you know, just all those things was a culmination that was kind of all happening together. You know, I was, you know, asking the question, do I need to work for this place? We were asking, well, you know, what does what does farm life look like and, and what is that path for us? And, you know, all of that combined with, you know, what I just said, Lord, where would you have us to be serving you in obedience to make sure that we are thriving for you in, uh, in, the, in the place, you know, where you desire us to be at this point in our life, you know. But I think God really does things in us as we develop new skill sets, you know, as we develop new desires and and experiences in life. And so, yeah, some people probably can just settle into being, you know, whatever that career or whatever that time may be for them or that place. You know, I'm sure we can probably all think of somebody, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, that guy worked at such and such a place for 40 years and and that defined that person and they lived happy and they, they have everything they ever wanted. But I think more often than not, I think the world is starting to realize, you know, that, wow, we, we change and seasons change. And as our family change, family dynamic changes, you know, we're going to be at a point, you know, in, in a few years from now where we might not even have any kids at home. And so, uh, you know, just just the idea of being aware that we don't have to just settle for just staying in this place, but there's nothing wrong with staying in that place either. So we have to find what that mix is for us, where God wants us to be, and ideally, you know, making ourselves available to be obedient when he says to go. I think that is so key you know, to just be able to lean in and listen and say, okay, Lord, whatever it is you have for me, I'm going. Just say the word. And, you know, it's interesting because I think we don't always see it at the time, but when I read through your story, it's it's sort of clear to see how God was preparing you. And there were seasons of waiting, um, you know, there were seasons of change, but all throughout that, like he was, he was giving you what you needed for the next step. And um, 
that's probably true for a lot of us, but we don't always realize it at the time. We'll see it as we look back. But when you're thinking about these steps that you make in life and the the seasons and the changes that are coming, um, especially for those of us who have faith, I think we can have that confidence that he is preparing us step by step. And even though some steps might seem crazy, like I, like you said, Katrina, when you first said it was time to sell this house, she probably thought that seemed crazy. But as your story progresses, you can see, no, no, that was part of this path that God wanted you to walk. And he moved you there for a reason and he knew what was coming. So, um, yeah, and I, I loved seeing that through the book. And I think for readers, especially who have that, um, that deep spiritual faith, that they will relate with that as well, that you can see how God is working through these circumstances in your life to bring you to the next step. Um, so yeah, that was, that was encouraging. And I enjoyed the way that you laid that out in the book. And David, my favorite question that I have to ask, knowing what you know now and the journey that you have endured with your beautiful family, what is the one thing that you would do differently? Wow, that's a tough one, Masha. Uh, probably learning how to wait more, you know, instead of being uh, <laughs> honestly, uh, even though even though I hate it, I hate the waiting. But I think that we have, you know, at different times in the process, uh, maybe moved a little bit too abruptly in, you know, different areas or whatever. I, I can't really think of a specific thing right off the top of my head, but I think that when we let impatience and strong desires overtake us and take us down a path that requires a course of correction from the Lord, uh, that's, that's where we get messed up. And uh, so, you know, waiting for the right path is ideal, but, uh, you know, sometimes when we go down that, that wrong path, that's where we learn and grow. And, and that correction does come for, for those of us who uh, follow the Lord. And, uh, so we, uh, just have to welcome that correction and be happy to have it because he is a loving father that wants to get I us can going. Think <laughs> I can think of a few times that has happened to me <laughs> as yeah. you were answering. Oh, yeah. 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 And towards the end of your book, you talk about praying for clarity. And what does that look like for you? Like you, here you are, you're uncertain, you know, you have to move, you know, you have to get going and doing some things. There's some actions that are necessary, but there's still some uncertainty. So when you prayed for clarity, what kind of clarity did you get? So just to resonate with our audience that, you know, there, there is clarity that comes our way. What does it look like for you? I have a new, uh, a new term that I have a, a friend that I've met this year, a fellow author that says it a lot. And Katrina and I've been kind of saying it to each other. But uh, he says, when you know it in your knower, that's when you know how to move forward and uh <laughs> but but to, to really answer your question masha it it's uh getting to that place where things align where you know you know in your heart you know in your spirit 
yes, that was the Lord speaking to me in this circumstance from that person, from this Bible verse, or in my prayer time. And you see that consistently. And you see, you know, things coming at you consistently. But uh, we go down to the creek and walk, and there's there's times when the water is just amazing and clear and crystal clear. And as I was praying for clarity, uh, I prayed. I looked down in the water where I was sitting. It was actually by the by the tree that's on the cover of my book. So I'm sitting at this place, and Katrina is over a little ways from me in, in a different place not far away. And I'm looking down into this crystal clear water, and there's this beautiful fish that just swims up right underneath me. And I'm praying, Lord, I need to know if I'm supposed to leave this job with crystal clarity, as clear as I can see through this water and see all the colors on that fish. And, and as I prayed that, Katrina heard me pray that, and she's like, I don't see the fish because she was kind of at a different angle. So that was kind of a little bit of an object lesson too, you know, that <laughs> we all be in the same place, you know, to be able to see with clarity. But that was my prayer. But then over the course of some time, uh, there were there were a series of events that happened that, uh, that really spoke to me about that word clarity. I got a piece of mail from one person that, was just totally random and the whole subject of it was about clarity and then I get an email from another person that's the whole subject of it is about clarity so it was like okay we know we need to move forward but we don't know exactly how but we need clarity Lord and uh, God just woke me up that morning and he said there's more to life than this and uh, and I wrote it down immediately and it was what I was doing in my job. And I just, I mean, it was just like crystal clear. And it kind of set us on a course of, okay, now we know we're leaving. Now we know I'm getting out of this job. It's not, it's not if, but when. And so it really kind of set us on a, on a really straight course to know this, we're in this place. And by the way, we had, we had put some things in order, gotten some financial uh, things in order paid off all of our debts, we're completely debt-free at that point, and we're just uh, drastically saving money to prepare for the next step. Wow. And, you know, David, that's that's interesting. So you talk about you, you knew it was coming to an end and you were doing some preparation. And when I think about people who are tired of the corporate world, many of them are going to be burned out. Um, Masha, Brian, and I all had that experience where, you know, we, we were burned out in our corporate lives and we had to take various steps to recover. For Brian and I, ultimately, it was the same decision that you made, which is we know that we are leaving our, our corporate lives. But you're right. There's this question of when and there's this period of preparation. And sometimes that period of preparation is much longer than you want. And you, you talked about waiting. Um you know, if we have folks in our audience who they do feel like they are being called to step out of corporate life and step into a different life and they're waiting and preparing, what what advice would you give to them? Because that can be, for us, it was 
almost two years from the time we decided it's we need to leave until we were able to. And I don't quite know the timing on yours, but I know there was a period of time. So what advice would you give to people who are in that time of waiting and preparation right now? I would say, you know, be be bold and know that life does exist out of outside of your current position. It really can. You know, we we get so entrenched thinking that the place we're at is the place that we're always going to be and life doesn't exist, whether it's outside of this company, outside of my town, outside of, you know, whatever confines we put around our our uh, existence. We think that the world is so small and tightly defined by what what we are and where we're at. But be willing to uh, think outside the box and think, wow, I can, I can do something somewhere else. I can do something different. I can get new skill sets or I can take the skill sets I have and go do it for, you know, even if they want to work for a company. You know, people get so entrenched with thinking, I'm just stuck here. I, I can't change. If I change, it's going to be risky and they can't get out of a, maybe a toxic environment to go do the same work for somebody else in a better environment. So, you know, we just set up all these traps that, uh, you know, there's never going to be somewhere else where I can survive. And so, you know, be willing to step out and know that you can survive elsewhere. So one, one final question for you then is, what do you see ahead? What's what's in your future or what are you praying about and considering? So obviously uh, my calling right now is writing and I've got this first book. I've got four or five more that I'd like to write and finish, which is going to be, you know, over the course of several years ahead for us. And so part of the challenge with that in knowing that I am a writer and I need to pursue my calling in that is figuring out how to uh, sustain life doing that. So, you know, part of that that we're praying about and I talk about uh, Katrina and I and our marriage is potentially learning how to, to teach these skills, to teach people about our marriage, to teach people about our family life and our experiences and put all the parts and pieces together to figure out how to monetize that in a real way that allows us to sustain life and and uh, really help others. You know, that's our desire is to uh, be able to tell stories, help others in a real way that uh, allows us to sustain life uh, in a real way. So that's our challenge ahead. Well, that sounds amazing. It sounds like the journey is going to continue, and we will look forward to hearing more about that and watching as that journey goes forward. Thank you so much, David, for taking the time to be with us today, and great conversation. We'd love to hear your stories and look forward to hearing more in the future. Yeah. Where can those people who are wanting your book, and where can they find it? So the book is available, Almost Home, Setting Our Sights Toward Heaven. The book's available uh, on all major retailers online right now, and they can go to my website at almosthomebooks.com and order books from there as well. 
All right. So those of you who are looking for a book that combines faith and family and stories and, um, you know, kind of all of these things, this is a wonderful book to read. Highly recommend it. Um, so, yes, go find that copy and um, help David as he's launching his book and starting this whole new lifestyle. All right. We can't wait to hear more of your stories, David. Thanks so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure getting to know you for the last hour. Yeah, I've enjoyed it.